Bumming down poinsettia. Chapter 21. Making my bones. I was fully exposed to what Summer did for a living that night in Granada Hills. I saw her with a client. And being the young man that I was, fully in love with the woman, was absolutely trauma-shocked. But something peculiar happened to me that night. After leaving the front entrance of that home, crying over what I had seen, it wasn't because of what I had seen, if that makes any sense. When I saw that man naked on top of the woman I was in love with, equally naked, it was crushing. It was truly a trauma shock, but it was the fear that what I'd seen somehow meant that Summer didn't love me anymore. That's what made me cry. Yeah, being the naive, stupid kid from Oklahoma, it wasn't anything I'd ever heard of, let alone been through. Yeah, so I didn't know how to deal with it, and I was never able to unhook sex and love. I thought they just coincided automatically if you screwed somebody, it meant you loved them. I didn't understand. I don't think until that night. It wasn't a good thing, folks. Sex, naked, love. I still wasn't able to do that yet. I was too fucking young. I had just turned 20. Yet, after the hour with that guy was up, she came out skipping, like I said, very happy. Not only did she get her $500 for the hour, but he tipped her an hour and didn't even make her stay. Yeah. We went home, and life continued as though nothing had ever happened at all. That was Summer's mindset. It was really that cut and dry. She could turn it on and off. That's right. She told me once she had condom up the guy, and she did condom up everybody, with the exception of me, but she condom up everybody. She told me she had condom up a guy, let him do his thing, count the ceiling tiles, take their money, and go. Britt, I, I forget about him from even out of the neighborhood, she assured me. This is significant. Upon saying that, those two things I was never able to unhook, I unhooked for the first time, sex and love. And I realized the paid for sex was just that, paid for sex. That's where it began. That's where it ended. In my mind, I completely accepted it. Couldn't hated it. it. Hurt me. It hurt me, but I learned to fucking live with it. I'm not feeling sorry for myself for trying to lay it at her feet. I'm just telling you, I learned how to live with it. I learned how to lower myself and live with it. I'm not trying to be all philosophical and poetic about it. I'm just telling you the fucking truth. I lowered myself because I didn't want her to not love me. By the way, completely off topic here, but Summer was still getting $500 an hour. You bet. You know how she did that? 
you see, when she was going through Rosemary, those folks had to pay $700 an hour to get summer. Now, when she called them out of her address books, she called them and said, I'd like to give you a $200 an hour discount. So the fucking phone at home is ringing like crazy. Crazy. Summer had a coupon. And every fucking millionaire on the west side were cashing it in. I started drinking more. I don't say it lightly, folks. I started drinking more, about a fifth of Tanqueray a day. Yeah, and beer. Yes, I take responsibility for my own alcoholism. It's not to say that I wasn't driven. (laughs) And ironically, I drove myself. Almost all of Summer's clients are west of Hollywood and north of the city. I went with her to nearly every single one of them. I wasn't required to go on every call. You know, Summer had known some of the older guys long enough. She felt safe, so I'd stay home. Any other time, though, you can bet I was there. It was conflicted, but I got to tell you, I was a natural. This is not a brag. I'm just telling you the truth. I was a fucking natural. That's to say that I had no training. I had to learn this shit on my own, and yeah. At the same time, I'm taking Summer out on calls, trying to keep her safe and protected in case something goes bad. I'm having to watch my own ass, too, because I never know when we go out on Rosemary calls if this is going to be the one where she's setting me up to get jacked. I'm not kidding, folks. Summer was still going out on Rosemary Calls. Rosemary knew I was Summer's driver, and I knew that vindictive bitch was going to hit back. I knew she was coming for me. She was waiting for the perfect time, and it could have been one of them calls at 3 a.m. where she set my ass up on some dark street. Got to get whacked. When you're out there waiting on dark Los Angeles streets, especially in the nicer neighborhoods up in the hills... You don't have your traditional street lamps up there half the time. At least you didn't back then. It was fucking dark. All those streets were dark, like Manson family sneaking around fucking dark. (laughs) It was so dark, being that I was a heavy drinker by then, I'd actually bring a bottle of Tanqueray along with me, some ice and a glass, make fucking drinks out there on the hood of the car while I waited on summer. I functioned great drunk. I'm sorry, excuse me. I had to drink to function. There we go. When I was out on those calls, I was always watching my ass because I never knew if Rosemary was going to set us up on one. I fucking knew Rosemary wanted to hit back. She just hadn't yet. But I still believed it was coming. And uh, I'd turn out to be right. Anyway, My first real test as a driver for summer didn't come into play until we were sent out by Rosemary to a call in Santa Barbara. I'm not going to go into specifics, but I will tell you when we showed up, there wasn't one guy at the house. No, there were five guys at the house. That wasn't part of the agreement. And they all thought they could just take a turn on her for a solid hour for the low, low price of only $700. Wrong. There's only supposed to be one person here. I immediately got out of the car. 
Suddenly, I saw shadows passing in front of the living room window. Holy shit, there was more than two people in there immediately. I'm quick-stepping across the big front yard of the front porch. Before I can get there, Summer emerges with the men following close behind. Forget it, you can deal with my driver. Hey, I said, walking up to the edge of the port, what's up? There's like five guys in there, Summer complained. This wasn't discussed at all. I looked up at the porch. Yeah, we'll call Rosemary. You owe a $50 cancellation fee, I said to the guy standing in the wife-beater t-shirt, long hair. What, are you the muscle? He shot back sarcastically. I smirked. Kind of. You're going to give us that cancellation fee or am I going to have to come back? Summer stood silently by my side watching the entire exchange. All the guys looked at each other. Well, come on, he shot back immediately, putting his drink down. I'm right here. All his four friends standing behind him. You see, Summer expected me just to jump up on that porch and start swinging and do the best I could against five guys over $50. That's not how you handle it. And despite her protest, I grabbed her by the fucking arm and I marched her ass off that fucking yard into the fucking car and we drove back to West Hollywood and I got to listen to her bitch all the way home because I didn't do anything then. Before leaving, I looked back at the asshole. And I told him I'd be taking the money out of his ass, or he could give it to me then. He is the one who instigated this whole fucking thing, and then wasn't man enough to back any of it up. No, he wasn't. Because I went back, and I got my $50, and I burned up his new fucking truck. Up, I burned it to the fucking ground. Brand new truck, pepper tags still in it. And I don't feel the least bit bad about it. He had it coming. No, I didn't kill him. I'm not a fucking murderer. But I can assure you, that cocksucker and his boyfriends never tried to pull a stunt like that again. I really don't know if it was the fact that I was raised by women with a highly abusive stepfather and shit. I, I really don't know what made me so fucking impassioned and angry. I held some of these Johns with so much contempt, I really wanted to fuck them up good. And I did some, but others I didn't. But <laughs> the point is, I was a fine one to talk. I was living off this shit. I was living off this shit. I was drinking myself stupid every day. Yeah. Fighting the fucking world. I, I guess that's where my hostility really began to blossom. And reputation spread. Like wildfire in the small escort community. Just off that one incident, word got around that um, there was a guy out there that could collect them cancellation fees, collect money, and get people to behave. And suddenly, our fucking phone was ringing off the hook because of me. Yeah, Agencies all around greater L.A. Metro wanted to hire me. Yeah, when I wasn't driving her, I was going out and getting money for other agencies. Hard to believe that an escort agency would have unpaid bill. Yeah, a debt-collecting department, but they do. Because, my God, as beautiful as some of those young women were, body karate going on, head full of fucking rocks. Head full of fucking rocks. Who the fuck pays for sex with a check? Hmm?
not a money order, not a credit card or cash, a fucking personal check. Who would accept a personal check as payment for just having had sex with some fat ass? Can you believe the gall of those rich millionaire fuckers? Not kidding. They'd call escort agencies around town looking for hot, young, dumbass women to screw so they could get them to accept a personal fucking check for $1,000. Then lo and behold, <laughs> literally, there'd be a fucking hold placed on the check when the women went to cash it the next day. Well, shit, she was just out. Then what's she going to say? Call the bank president over. Look, I'm an escort. I fulfilled my end of the contract when I had sex with that ugly bastard all night, and he owes me. Hey, I'm sorry, but that's an illegal activity. It doesn't work that way. No. I got that kind of employment. You see, they'd call me, and I'd go shake that fucking money out of them. You see, most of these fuckers, they won't open the door if you just go up to the front door and ring the doorbell. That's a waste of time. you got to coax them into opening. Yeah, you got to coax them into letting you in. Yeah, I was doing home invasions before they even knew what fucking home invasions were. Don't ever throw away an empty Domino's box, ever. They come in handy. And that blue T-shirt you never wear, just found a purpose for it. Give me a ball cap, I'm on my way. Domino's Pizza Delivery. You just keep ringing that fucking doorbell. Constipated computer tech's going to open the door and I'm going to throw a fucking pistol up under his neck and get the money. You owe 600 bucks. The agency gets three. You get three. Or whatever. Be sensible. Set your own fucking price. Be sensible. Mine was 50 fucking percent. That was it. I would not budge. That's why I didn't collect for Rosemary. I would not. That bitch would try to lowball me. And I didn't want to partner up and do business with her anyway. She had people that didn't pay. Fuck her. I didn't care. Summer kept trying to talk me into going over and fucking helping Rosemary. Fuck Rosemary. I don't trust that bitch at all. But I did work for other escort agencies in the greater L.A. metro. And um, I don't want to go into too many details. But um, but I will tell you about the time that Barrick and Christian helped me. They had a fucking flake John in Westwood. Nobody could get to him. Nobody could get into the gated community. Nobody could get up to this guy's fucking house, okay? I don't know what he did to owe the money, but he owed a bunch of money. When I saw the amount, yeah, I was all over it. Yes, I took my gun, but I was careful to unload it. We don't want to kill anybody, okay? You see how damn dumb I was? I was doing home invasions with unloaded guns. Just by pure chance, Barrick and Christian happened to be in town. They called me and said, hey, what are you doing? I'm getting ready to go out and knock ahead and get some money. You want to go with me? I'll split the cash with you. Fuck yeah, Christian said. And in a flash, uh, Barrick showed up in his Audi. I don't know if half the cars Barrick drove was stolen or where he got him. <laughs> a different car every fucking time I saw him. I don't know what happened to the van. He probably traded it. I'm sorry. <laughs> we were just a gaggle of alcoholic kids, and it's a miracle we didn't get killed. Three of us pulled up in the dark street in Westwood. 
It's amazing how stealthy three drunk guys can be when they have to. I still don't know how the fuck we managed to work our way in, but we did. And we walked right up to the guy's house. Kathy, the owner of the agency I was doing the work for, had told me he lived alone. Yay, I like that. So as we approached the front door, Barrick went low to catch the dude by the legs. Christian and I stood upright, threw our arms around one another, and come up with a great gay idea. Rang the doorbell through the peephole. I could see the light starting to blind out of someone near the door. Like I say, Barrick was crouching low to catch legs. Christian and I stood boldly our arms around one another. Just as soon as I was sure he was looking out the window, I looked over at Christian. God, I sure hope he opens up. Christian fired right back. Are you sure it's the right house? I don't know. I complained all bitchy-like. Upon that, the front door began to unlock. In the blink of an eye, it was open just enough for Beric to push it all the way up and swoop the guy by the legs, pick him up off the ground, throw him into the sofa. I'd given Christian the unloaded weapon because I was far too fucked up to be worried about that. Anyway, uh, Christian put the gun to the guy's head and we certainly put the fear of God in him as I slammed the front door and kicked his legs. Shut up, man. You owe a whole bunch of fucking money and you know what I'm talking about. Please, please, don't do anything, please. The man pleaded as Christian leaned over the arm of the sofa with the barrel of the gun pressed into the man's temple. Shut up! I said, kicking him again. You want him to pull the fucking trigger? I took a breath, still unsure what to do other than the fact that I was supposed to call Kathy. Give me your wallet, I said, sticking my hand out. Man hesitated. Christian wrapped him on the top of his head with the barrel of the gun. Give me the fucking wallet. Upon that, the man handed me the wallet. I opened it up. I don't have any money, he pled. There's about 40, 50 bucks in there. I took it out, put it in my pocket, threw the wallet back towards his crotch. You're right, you don't have any money. But you're going to shit some money, because we're going to call a woman you know. Where's your fucking phone? Upon that, the man pointed over on the sofa. There it was, cordless. I grabbed it. Called the woman we needed to speak with. As the phone rang, the man looked over at Barrick, who was dismantling his television and stereo. Sir, please, don't unhook all that, please. I looked over in the direction the man was looking. You got something over there, Barrick? About that time, Barrick poked his head up from behind the entertainment center. I'm taking his shit, man. (laughs) It was hard not to smile in front of the guy. I had to call off Barrick, the uh, repossessor there. (laughs) We rolled. I drove to Santa Monica, got our money, and yeah, and head back to Hollywood to get shit-faced at Formosa. <laughs> I'll never forget on the way. From the back of Barrick's Audi, Christian, riding in the back seat, leaned his head forward right over the console between Barrick and I. I looked over at him from the passenger seat. Hey, man. Barrick smiled, looking down. What's up, bro? Christian smiled with his eyes closed. That was fucking awesome. (laughs) Things were going good for a while. Yeah. I had steady work coming in, banging up Johns who were deadbeats. Oh, yeah. I was working every fucking day. Make no mistake about that. There's Where there were good customers, there were five fucking bad ones. 
Yeah, there was an appetite for my kind of work, and believe you me, I had no idea what I was doing, and it's a miracle I'm alive. Let me put emphasis on that. We were having fun, and things were going good, and I was making money. I still couldn't couldn't see light at the end of the fucking tunnel. I didn't know where I was going or how this was going to play out. I really didn't. I just knew that I loved summer. Now to the blue. We just upgraded to a 50-gallon saltwater aquarium, and of course that required... A lot of expensive equipment, a lot of expensive fucking food because saltwater fish. They don't eat little sprinkle shit out of a tube. No, they eat like frozen meats and shit. Yeah, it's not cheap. But we upgraded to a 50-gallon saltwater aquarium, beautiful fish and everything. I, I wouldn't trade it for the world, but I just can't afford it. <laughs> I guess I guess it was our way of just trying to, you know, find some kind of normalcy in our fucking crazy lives. Summer and I. See, we still loved each other through all this. We were still having dinners and movies and being in love. As a matter of fact, we were both suspicious that Summer might be pregnant. Yeah. That was um, a suspicion. We weren't for sure yet, but, well, she was a couple of weeks late. I wasn't worried about it, though. Summer wasn't either. We spoke about it, but we didn't talk about what we planned on doing, quite frankly. I think we both wanted the pregnancy. It was too early to talk about this shit, but she was two weeks late, and we suspected. Anyway, we got home one afternoon from shopping, and, um, damn. Everything got completely upended in the blink of a fucking eye. I stayed in just long enough to help Summer put some things away, and we had an answer machine full of messages before she could even start them. I was back out the door again and had to Koreatown to go pick up some ham-hung takeout. Her favorite Asian dive. That was a bit of a drive, too. I was going to be gone better part of an hour, but I didn't mind. We called it in. It was worth it. We ate there like three times a week. Anyway, after picking up the food, I made it back to West Hollywood, and when I come upstairs, Summer had one of the chairs from the dining room table pulled over by the phone by the kitchen counter. She was sitting there their legs crossed, bawling by herself. She didn't even hear me come in. Summer, I said, highly concerned, putting the packages of food on the table. Immediately she looked up. Brit, oh God, Brit. Oh my God, Summer, what? I said, kneeling down in front of her. What, baby, what? Summer composed herself. Rubbed her eyes best she could and looked up. Somebody murdered my sister.
That's going to wrap it up for Bombing Down Poinsettia, Chapter 21, Making My Bones. Make sure you tune back next week, same time, same place, right here at Stan the Joke Man Show for uh, Bombing Down Poinsettia, Chapter 22. Okay? We'll figure out what the title is then. Until then, via Candios, me and me. Go see you Friday, high noon. Brother Wall.